Well, praise the Lord. I'll be so glad when the election is over. I'm getting tired of text messages and emails and television spots and everything else. But uh, it is a big one. And, uh, you know, churches kind of go two ways. Some churches, they don't talk about elections at all because it just gets divisive. And how many know one of the most divisive times in America is around election time? It's almost like our political views sometimes are more important than our spiritual connection. How many know what unites us is not if we're a Democrat or Republican or a Libertarian or an Independent. How many know what unites us is Jesus Christ and His Word? And that's how we gather this morning. I had someone ask me recently, I said, Pastor, why do you talk about politics in church? And I said, no, no, wait a second. What the world calls politics is really oftentimes biblical and moral issues. How many know the issue of abortion? That's not a political issue. We have laws about it, but that's a moral issue. That's a biblical issue. How about marriage? Marriage is politicized. Supreme courts make decisions. But how many know that's a moral and a biblical issue? And I tell that person, secondly, I have a responsibility as a Christian pastor to teach all of God's Word. Paul told the Ephesians people, he, he said, uh, I'm not shunned to declare unto you the whole truth or the whole gospel. And what I want to do today is I want to do my best to share with you a biblical look at about five different issues that are out there. I'm going to talk about some things that you've probably not heard of much in the election, you've not thought about a bit, but I'm going to begin from a biblical point of view. And let me say this up front, whenever we do, I always know it's always hard to separate personal opinions sometimes. How many know? I want to ask you up front to give me a little grace. I don't want you to treat me like your Facebook friend who you didn't like and unfriend, okay? Uh, I, I want you to give me a little bit of grace if, uh, if there's something that I'm missing or perhaps not seeing properly. But I'm going to do my best today to teach you from the Bible about what the Bible says about five key issues. And here's how we're going to do it. Um, I'm, I, I'm going to basically teach a biblical truth on an issue. And then I'm going to literally show you the Democrat and the Republican platforms. Uh, literally, and of course, you've, all this information is in the lobby, uh, party platforms, what, what they believe on different issues. And uh, I just use some of these, and uh, they're available to you, of course, after service. But I'm just, we're just going to think about what our parties represent to us. How I many know, you know, there's dozens of political parties in America, but there's mainly two, Democrat and Republican. But let me say this again. Uh, what, we, what unites us is not the fact that if we're a Democrat or Republican. What unites us, come on now, is the fact that we are Christians. Yes, and I am not a party spokesman. I'm a Jesus spokesman today. So I just encourage you today, let's, uh, let's uh, look into the Word of God together and uh, enjoy it. And by the way, just in case it gets a little bumpy, I, I got my seatbelt again. Just so uh, if I need to buckle in, if the turbulence sign comes on, I don't, I don't think that it will. Uh, last week, if you were here, we talked about the future of freedom in America. It's worth going back and listening to. I, I, I did think it uh, had a profound message for America. So we tried to boost it on Facebook, and they told me, uh, sorry, but you can't do it. We let you show it, but you can't, uh, you can't run this. We don't want what you have to say to circulate through America. So I took that as a compliment. So I'm going to do it again today, but uh, in a little different, little, little different vantage point. Let me tell you the five issues we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about religious freedom. We're, we touched on it last week, but I want to go a little deeper. We want to talk about abortion and the right to life. 
We want to talk about marriage and family. We want to talk about support for the nation of Israel. And then last one, it's kind of interesting, we want to talk about God and government. We have been schooled in a philosophy called separation of church and state that I'll talk about today that is a misnomer. It was never a part of our heritage. Secular America has just slowly pushed God out, but we'll talk about that as well. So let's begin this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think it's going to be good. All right. Um, if, you have, if you've got your Bibles, Joshua chapter 24 is where we're going to go in a moment. But I want to talk first about religious freedom. And the biblical position is a simple one. It is that the freedom of religion is a God-given freedom of every individual to believe in God or not believe in God and to live accordingly. I mean, no, uh, there are forces in our society trying to stifle voices particularly in this election season today, particularly stifle the Christian voice. I'll prove that to you in just a moment. But uh, uh, government's job is to protect this right. Our right to believe in God or not believe in God and not be punished for it. But God gives uh, religious freedom to every person. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 19, you remember the story of the rich young ruler? He was a guy that he had it going. He was successful in life. He was very prosperous. He was a rich young man. But he also loved God. And he came to Jesus and said, hey, I, I want to go to heaven. What do I have to do? And Jesus told a very simple story. What Jesus said, uh, he looked into his heart and he realized that he had an idol of materialism. And Jesus said, okay, I want you to get, take your money, give it to the poor and follow me and you'll live forever. Well, this guy exercised his will his choice to believe or not believe, and he turned from Jesus and walked away. And what I want you to know, Jesus didn't stop him. He let him choose. Now, Joshua chapter 4 is a better choice, Joshua 24. Joshua said, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served? But for me and my family, what's it say? We will We're going to serve the Lord. That's the choice you've made today. I doubt you're here because uh, you have to be. Uh, it might have taken a little bit of a nudge to get you here, but I'm super glad you're here. You, could, you had lots of things you could have done, but you chose to be in God's house. You chose to come and worship God. You chose to be with God's people today. You chose to hear God's word. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 is a little different slant now as I build up to the platforms. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Uh, it's it's uh, symbolic of multitudes of scriptures that call for a specific action for the Christian. But yet there's a presumption that we have freedom to live out our beliefs. Now, religious freedom was so important to our founders that they made it the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. You've heard it quoted often, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. And that's usually where it stops. Because we have flipped the role of religion from the secular to the religious. We flipped them in America. And we forget the second part that says prohibiting the free exercise of your religious beliefs. And this is a problem in America that I'll show you. Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, freedom of religion is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. Now, I mean, that's a big deal. Religious freedom in America is under attack. Religious freedom, particularly of Bible-believing Christians. I mean, you know, if you're a Muslim, your religion's not under attack. 
Because the Muslims use violence. You look at France right now. Somebody made the mistake again of making a cartoon image of the prophet Muhammad. And the knives come out and people get killed. Christians are different. We turn the other cheek. We love our neighbor as ourself. But yet in America today, their Christians are under attack. Even the Jewish community, the synagogues were fined $15,000 by the city of New York during COVID if they would dare meet. Virginia schools, as I told you last week, Virginia Christian schools and pregnancy centers fined $100,000 because they won't hire people who share their faith. Let me know if, you're, if you have a Christian school, doesn't it just make sense you have a Christian teacher? Yeah. Well, this is the issue. There are rules and laws being imposed in the name of discrimination and even using the word hate. Uh, it's not hatred, but using that word to shut them down. You heard of the football coach in Washington. He was fired because he simply prayed midfield after a game. He didn't ask anybody to join him, but others willingly came up, sat around him, kneeled down before him. It became a big deal, so he lost his job. Of course, the biggest one in America that's been ongoing for a number of years now, Christian Baker in Colorado, uh, he refused to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. Very cordial. He recommended another baker, but that was not the issue. They wanted to squelch out Christianity. He's been through three lawsuits, and the attempt by the political left is to sue him into submission. So this is happening around us in America today. And depending on this election, this will get worse or it'll get better. Let me tell you why I say that. Look at the Republican Party here, and we'll just swap back and forth as we go. Now, this is the party platform. This is what they publish, basically saying, here's what we as Democrats or here's what we as Republicans believe. It's out there, and I have read that as high as 80% of what they publish in this platform, you can expect them to do. Well, here's the Republicans. We strongly support the freedom of Americans to act in accordance with their religious beliefs, not only in their houses of worship, but in their everyday lives. Now, I'm sure you've heard that there are those that want to redo the Constitution, give it an upgrade. Many states have already signed on to a constitutional convention. And one of the things being tossed around is changing freedom of worship, I mean, changing freedom of religion to freedom of worship, which means you can do whatever you want to within boundaries in your church service, but don't bring your religion in the world. If you're going to be a pharmacist, don't tell me you can't distribute the morning after pill. Don't tell me that's your religious conviction. If you uh, are, a, are a nurse, don't tell me you can't participate in an abortion because you're a nurse and it's expected of you to do that. Well, this is what we're talking about here, our everyday lives. Uh, number two, the ongoing attempts to compel individuals, businesses, institutions of faith to violate their beliefs is part of a misguided effort to undermine religion and drive it from the public square. Now, the examples that I gave to you are examples of that. It's almost like America at one time, first of all, America's never been perfect. I mean, say praise the Lord. And we aren't perfect now. And whoever's in the White House, we're certainly not going to be perfect. That's very clear. But we have been a nation that, by and large, uh, honored the place of religion. Even as late as the 50s, we put in God we trust on our monies. We put one nation under God in our Pledge of Allegiance. That was because the Russian Empire, the godless empire, was going so great. We as Americans wanted to make a stand that we believe in God. 
Uh, we've always been that way, but yet now it's like the secular wants to push the religion down. It's like which is going to which is going to rule in America, the secular or the religious? Which is going to have influence? And it's not just being on an equal plane, but it's almost like the secular wants to get rid of the religious influence, particularly the Bible-believing influence. It's okay to have a funeral on television and uh, and and you know have the preacher say read something from Reader's Digest. But it's not okay to pray in the name of Jesus. It's not okay to talk about heaven and hell. Well, that's what we're talking about. And number three, we value the right of America's religious leaders to preach and Americans to speak freely. And that light was taken away from me this week by Facebook. According to their faith, the government is constitutionally prohibited from policing or censuring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs. Now, that's a big, big deal. Look at our, the Democrats. Now, the Democrats celebrate the paramount importance of maintaining the separation of church and state. How many have heard that phrase? Yeah. I even looked at their party platform, and it said that the separation of church and state is enshrined in our Constitution. Did you know that's not true? That phrase is not in the Constitution. Where it came from was Thomas Jefferson... He wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association, go ahead, look it up, but to the Danbury Baptists who were afraid that they would have a state church in America just like they had in England. And what he told them was, is he said, look, church, don't worry about that. We're going to build a wall, as it were, to protect you from the state. Which became, That was the law of the land until the 1940s, the Supreme Court changed precedent and the Supreme Court said, no, the wall either goes both ways, but it shifted now to where we want to keep the state. No, yeah, we want to keep the church out of the state. Used to be vice versa. But now we don't want your voice as a Christian in our legislature. We don't want your voice. And that's, 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 an, that's a big deal. It rejects broad religious exemptions for businesses, medical providers, social service agencies, and others. What does that mean? That means, again, if I, if I have a Christian school, do I have a right to hire Christians? Uh, the Little Sisters of the Poor, the Catholic nuns, did not want abortion to be in their, in their health plan. Uh, and this next one probably uh, troubles me the most. We're going to fight to enact the Equality Act. Talked about it last week. A bill that would remove religious liberty protections. Here's two issues we have. We've got not only secular and religious, but in particular on the secular side, we have the LGBTQ priorities, and we have the priorities of religion. If you are a Bible believer, there's some conflict. Now, let me say this up front. First of all, if you are of the persuasion of the LGBTQ, I love you. Let me look in the camera and say it. I love you. You're welcome in this church. I'll treat you with dignity and respect, but I'll also teach you the Bible just like I teach everyone else the Bible. But yet, what this Equality Act does is it says, you're discriminating against us, so what we want to do is we want to trump religion. You hate us because you disagree with us, and we want to trump. Do you realize right now, already the House, the Democratic House has passed the Equality Act. 48 senators in the Senate want to vote on it now to affirm that as the law of the land. Uh, that's a big deal. Um, Religious freedom, next, number four. Now, this one, i got to be honest with you, it confuses me a little bit. Religious freedom is a core American value and a core value of the Democrat Party. 
Democrats will protect the rights of each American for the free exercise of his or her own religion. Now, I'm going to tell you now, this is a personal opinion, but I don't believe what they say. And I don't believe it because of, number one, this Equality Act and what it will do. Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, already warned us when the Supreme Court case, you know, last fall about the employment and all that. But uh, I read this uh, just a couple days ago where Vice President Joe Biden made a pledge to gut religious freedom protections, saying that what I've been talking to you the last few moments are hate speech, and we want a safe harbor for religious discrimination. It's not true. Um, what that would mean, if that was passed, is it would mean that a, a homeless shelter that houses homeless women would be forced to take a, bio, a man who's a biological male who, who is identifying as a woman, they would be forced to take him uh, and by government law, and that would just be, that just is, is the way it is. Um, so that troubles me just a little bit. So that's what I wanted to say about religious freedom. That's the facts as I understand them. Now, my role is not to tell you who to vote for. My role is to hopefully encourage you to vote biblical values, but I want to educate you today what the Bible says and then what our parties believe about this big issue. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good, good hand today. Let's talk about abortion just a moment, the right to life. The biblical position is clear and concise. Life begins in the womb, and taking human life is murder. Now, let me, let me if I can, just be real a moment. I know two-thirds of us have been a party to an abortion, men and women. And I understand that the guilt goes both ways. And can I tell you, God is not holding that against you. It is not the unpardonable sin. Do not beat yourself up for something that God has or will forgive you from. But yet, yet to let, uh, uh, would you join me and allow the rest of our lives to be a voice for those who don't have a voice for themselves? Yeah. Let's read what the Bible says. Psalm 139, it says, You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now, here's what we know today. We know how DNA functions. We know how the egg and the sperm join together. And the problem is, because we know it, we assume that God didn't do it. But God was the one that initiated the process of conception and birth. Now, here's what I want you to see, verse 15. It says, you, God, watched. You watched me. It didn't say, you watched fetal material develop. No, you watched me, a person, as I was being formed in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Luke 1, verse 44, John the Baptist's mom and Mary's mom come together. And uh, um, uh, John the Baptist's mom says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb did what? Leap for joy. This child was somehow aware. Now, when Roe versus Wade was passed many, many years ago, uh, abortion was supposed to be safe, legal, and rare. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but we had no idea what went on in the womb. But now we know. Now there's no question. These little kids are surviving outside the womb at younger and younger years. Exodus 20 gives us the balance. You shall not murder. You shall not take an innocent life. Now let's read what the Democrats believe on the issue. Uh, they believe every woman should have access to safe and legal abortion. 
when abortion started, it was supposed to be safe, legal, and what? Rare. Rare, 60 million abortions later. I'm troubled by the fact that oftentimes the concern does not seem to be for safety. In other words, the simple demand, many states have passed laws that uh, the, the physician or whoever's doing the abortion would have admitting, clinic, uh, admitting privileges to a hospital. And they struck that down as being too strong. So, but that's the big thing. We're going to restore funding, uh, federal funding for Planned Parenthood, repeal the Hyde Amendment, which prevents the government from funding abortion. That's so you and I would pay for it. Uh, we'll oppose and fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to reproductive health. States have passed laws because children feel pain at 20 weeks. They've passed laws that you cannot abort your child in that state past 20 weeks, but yet they are overturned in court. This is what this is talking about. And lastly, opposing some FDA safety restrictions on chemical abortion pills. Notice the Republican side. All people are endowed by their creator with the inalienable right to to life. We assert the sanctity of human life, and the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. Now that's big. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution. We're going to appoint judges who will support sanctity of life at all stages because now, or it has been abortion, it's trending towards euthanasia. In uh, Europe, and of course, obviously euthanasia is legal. We, we have uh, assisted suicide bills in places like Oregon, but that's a wide open door for when grandma uh, forgets who she is in the nursing home or you or I forget. You see, the value of our life is not determined by what we contribute to society. Come on, we're created in the image of God. Uh, they oppose the use of public form, uh, funds to promote abortion like Planned Parenthood. I don't even know why number five has to be mentioned in a civil society. We strongly oppose infanticide, which is the taking of a child's life that's on that table, breathing and kicking and screaming. Infanticide takes his life. It's called the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, and some people would not even sign it. We support a ban on abortion at 20 weeks when they feel pain, a ban on abortion based on sex or disability. In other words, I want a baby, I want a boy, it's a girl, let's take her life. A ban on dismemberment abortion in which unborn babies are torn apart in the limb. How many know those are radically different positions? And those are the facts as I understand them to be. You get to decide how you're going to vote. You're quiet on me. Let's look at another one, marriage and family. Very plain and simple in the Bible. The Bible's position is that God created human beings as male or female, and he ordained marriage to be a lifelong commitment between a man and woman. You say, well, where'd you get that? Because that's certainly not, you know, in vogue today. That's the problem. In America, it's not enough just so you don't believe the Bible. I don't want me to believe, in other words, I don't want you to believe it either. And I don't want it to influence public policy. Genesis 127, male and female, God created them. He didn't allow us to be born and say, put blue and pink candles on the cake, and one day the child will decide on their own. You see, modern idolatry is the worship of self. 
and extending to ourselves the right to make choices that God has made for us. In the high percentage in the 90s, 98, I think, 99% of the time, it's clear if a, if, a, if a child, an infant, is a boy or a girl. You just look at the parts. And in those rare occasions when there has been a problem in the conception process and you can't tell, you don't make the, you don't make the rule based on the exception. Come on, it's, it's the norm is what you look at. Uh, Genesis 2.24 now, this was quoted not by, just not only in Genesis, but Jesus quoted these words, and Paul the Apostle quoted them. He said, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, biological male, biological female, and they shall become one flesh, it's sexual intercourse, designed by God, intended for pleasure and enjoyment, but also intended to have babies. And this is God's plan. Uh, notice what the Republicans say about marriage and family, foremost, and that's a big word, number one among the institutions is the American family. It is the foundation of civil society, the foundation of culture. It is the cornerstone of the family and is a natural marriage, the union of one man and one woman. That's not a statement of hate. That's a statement of biblical fact. That whether it's embraced or not. Uh, the data and facts lead to an inescapable conclusion. Every child deserves a married mom and dad. Here now we refer to science, data and facts. And this last one, we condemn the Supreme Court's ruling in Obergefell versus Hodges and urge its reversal. You know what that was? That's what under President Obama, who changed his position on marriage to allow same-sex marriage, and then our Supreme Court voted it in several years ago. I heard this yesterday, and I, I think it's true. Um, politics follows culture. It's just kind of steering along behind culture. Wherever culture's going, the politicians are following it. And culture is either following or because there's no leadership, they don't follow the Bible. In other words, I'd, in an ideal culture, God and God's Word guide the culture. But when God's Word ceases to guide the culture... The culture keeps going in insane directions, and the politics tends to follow it. Where were we there? Oh, back to, to that ruling. How many of the Supreme Court sometimes makes mistakes? Yeah. Anyone ever heard of the Dred Scott decision? What was Dred Scott? Dred Scott legalized slavery in the American West. Now, aren't you glad that was overturned? Aren't you glad that there was built into our Constitution a mechanism so that we could right the wrongs that were in our country? Sure it was. Let's go to the Democrat side. Again, we're talking about marriage and family. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Democrats. They don't mention traditional marriage and family as the foundation of society. Now, that's important. Uh, it was the political left who promoted and passed same-sex marriage. We're going to work to guarantee, let me say this again. If you're in a same-sex relationship, I love you. Jesus loves you. I mean, don't let the culture that says, oh, you hate because you disagree. Not true. And the facts prove it. Um, let's see. We'll work to guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender. This just kind of blows my mind at what... Right now, with transgenderism, it, it was not too long ago that it was 
universally referred to is gender, dys gender dysphoria, or a layman terms, gender confusion. And someone that was confused, if it were a boy or a girl or a man or a woman, we would help them figure out who they were. But now there's this huge push at lower and lower ages that if kids feel like they're a girl, they'll give them puberty blockers that will damage them physically, physiologically, as well as emotionally, just to push a political agenda against the advice of the medical community. That's a terrible thing, but what that may, they're going to guarantee is a 16-year-old boy who has all his parts, who thinks he's a girl, is going to be allowed by the government to use the shower with your little 16 or 15-year-old. We're going to fight to enact the Equality Act. Again, we've talked about that, uh, allowing biological men playing women's sports, very, very broad. Number four, we're going to support insurance coverage of gender transition, surgery and hormone therapy, which means that you and I will pay for it. Uh, and lastly, number five, they support banning practices aimed at assisting patients with unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. What does that mean? Let's say I'm a biological, uh, 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 biological man, or, let's say, or a, a homosexual man, and I come to a place in my life where I realize that what was promised me in a same-sex relationship is not what materialized. And I want to become, you know, heterosexual again. What this says is we're not going to let counselors help you, we're not going to let doctors help you, and it's against the law in places even today. So that's the two views of marriage and family and the biblical view. So that's the facts as I understand them. Now, who gets to decide? You. Yeah, you do. Support for Israel. Now, I was surprised at how much in common uh, the, the parties had on this one. Here's the biblical position. Israel was God's first... Let me say this to you. You're quiet today. This is as hard for me as it is for you. Actually, I think it's harder. Because I don't want to be disliked. I don't want people to call me names. I got a, I, last night, I, I, I made the mistake of reading a long Facebook. I shouldn't have done it on the weekend. I should have waited. But it was just railing on me for talking about politics in church. Well, you know, I don't want to offend or hurt anybody. I'm a Christian, and I love people, and I'm a merciful person. But I also love you enough to tell you the truth. Because I know one day God's going to ask me what I did in terms of teaching truth to, the, to my generation. And I don't want to stand before God and say, I just wanted him to, to like me on Facebook. I didn't want anybody to unfriend me on Facebook, God. That's ah, a little extra. Let's talk about Israel. Biblical position. Number one, Israel was God's first chosen people. Israel's going to play a significant part in end-time events, book of Revelation. And those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who abandon Israel will be cursed. You say, how'd you come up with that? I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. He was the father of the Jews. And listen to verse 3. I'm going to bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, God says, I will curse all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Psalm 122, pray for the peace in Jerusalem. May those who love her be safe. A New Testament verse, Romans chapter 15, if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews 
to share in material blessings. Let's see what our party said. And again, they're very, very similar on this. The Republicans, come on, Republican, turn up. There we go. Don't our tech people do a great job? Give them a big hand back there. They do a fabulous job. Uh, the Republicans, unequivocal support. Israel is considered the only country in the Middle East that shares the essential U.S. values of freedom of religion. There it is in speech. The uh, uh, United States, Republicans, committed to Israel's security, will ensure they have strong military over their adversaries, which means guns and bombs and all that, and protection, aircraft carriers. They recognize Jerusalem as Israel's rightful capital. Can I tell you that happened in 2017? Ever since I was old enough to be uh, uh, you know, cognizant of what was going on politically, our, our candidates for president would say, we're going to make Israel's capital Jerusalem. But none of them ever did. But it happened a couple years ago. Another thing that you don't hear much in the news, simply because we're in an election season, uh, the Trump administration has negotiated peace agreements between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and the country of Bahrain, and supposedly they have several more that are coming. In other words, that's a big, 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 big thing. You know they have bomb shelters all over Israel? You know Hamas is constantly log logging uh, 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 missiles over the border? I mean, they live in a terrible place. Look at the Dem Democrats. I was very encouraged by this. Uh, they believe a strong Israel is vital to U.S. interests. They'll always support Israel's right to defend itself, ensure they have strong military edge. They, too, recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. They support a negotiated two-state solution for Israel and Palestine. I'm not an expert on Israel and Palestine, uh, but that was where the rub came. The Muslims and the Jews just didn't get along, so I don't know how they're doing it differently now. But I want to, I want to give a personal opinion on this. Uh, this Democrat position, it sounds great, but unless they've changed, I want to tell you I'm confused. And I want to tell you why. See this guy? This is uh, Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, and he put out a poster, and the poster said, Final Solution, calling for a genocide of the Jews. Mind you now, Iran, a uh, big nation north of Israel, um, and, and he published this poster on what's called Cuz Day. Have you ever heard of Cuz Day, Q-U-Z? No, Q-U-D? Well, what it is, it's an annual Iranian rally calling for the destruction of Israel. In other words, what do we celebrate uh, uh, in early spring? Easter, the resurrection. What do we celebrate at Christmas? The birth of Jesus Christ. What do they celebrate? I don't know the date of Cud's Day. They celebrate the total annihilation of Israel. Here's what I don't understand. If the Democrats are for Israel, why did President Obama and Vice President Biden sign the Iran nuclear deal, making a path for Iran, Israel's greatest enemy, to get nuclear weapons? And why, and I, seriously, I want you to tell me if you know, because I don't understand this. John.Miller, churchontherock.org. Uh, why did they give billions of dollars? You saw the pictures. It wasn't on the mainstream news, but pictures of like a C-130 filled with pallets of money and just gave it to the Iranian people. Why did we do that for the leading sponsor of terror in the Middle East? That's something I don't understand, but that's the best I can tell you on Israel. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Um, God in government, I want to close with this, and the whole misnomer of separation of church and state uh, has made us wonder, should God even be involved in our government? 
But listen, let's look what the Bible says. Uh, Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed will America be if your God is the Lord. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects America, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Well, of course, now, Jesus said these words in the um, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you hear these words of mine, if you do them, you'd be like a wise man who built your house on a rock. But if you ignore the words of the Bible, God's word, you build your house on sand. Now, many of our founding fathers believed the Bible. All you hear about our founders today is that they were greedy white men that had slaves. Can I tell you what, friend? Some of them did, and they were wrong, and they changed. Most of them didn't. And they gave us a constitution that could change that terrible deal called slavery. Come on now. And we need to forgive the past. Come on, love people today. The solution for modern-day racism today is the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, anyway, here's what some of the founders said about the Bible. Our second president, John Adams I've examined all religions, and the result is that the Bible is the best book in the world. Second president. Patrick Henry ratified the Constitution. He said the Bible is a book worth more than all other books that were ever printed. John Jay, our first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, the Bible is the best of all books. It is the Word of God and teaches us to be happy in this world and the next. Can I tell you, friends, if we had leaders that believe like that today, America wouldn't be in the shape that she's in. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let's wrap up with this one. Look at the Republicans, and then this is my last point. Um, If God-given, this is powerful, if God-given natural inalienable rights, now this is the language of the Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, these rights, if they come in conflict with government, a court, or human-granted rights, God-given, natural, inalienable rights always prevail. In other words, we the people are up here and the government's here. But now, the government's here and we the people are down here. That's a big statement. We support the public display of the Ten Commandments as a reflection of our history and our country's Judeo-Christian heritage. You don't hear that very often. The platform mentions God 15 times. Democrats, silent on the role of God in government. Silent on the source of human rights. See, some in America believe rights come from government. Some believe our declaration that says rights come from God and the government's role is to protect our rights. And here's the kicker, verse number three. They celebrate the paramount importance of maintaining the separation between church and state. And their platform mentions God one time. Well, That's all I have to say about that, as far as Gump would say. Let me wrap up, and we're going to have a closing closing prayer here. Uh, You know, the two things I hope that you'll do as we go into this election, uh, number one is I hope you'll vote, but number two, I hope you'll pray. And our sanctuary will be open Tuesday morning from 7 in the morning to 8 at night. Just take 10 minutes of your lunch break. Drive through wherever, somewhere quick. Come in, eat on the front row if you want to. But come in and just pray a little bit for America, what's going on that day. And then number two, of course, we got the Facebook page, 24 hours. You can see that in the lobby. But I want to close with a thought about our Christian responsibility to vote. Because, you see, we are citizens of two kingdoms. I'm first a citizen of the kingdom of God. And secondly, I'm a citizen of America.
a United States. If we don't vote biblical values, here's my question, who will? If the Christian doesn't vote for what's right. And you realize in 2016, there were 39 million Christians who didn't vote. 39 million, that's one in four who silenced their voice for good. If I could today, if it would help, if I got on my knees and begged you, please vote on Tuesday. Here's something I, I just want to tell you in advance. There's going to be long lines. You just need to plan to get your mask, get there early, you know, or, or get there late, whatever. But, 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 but plan to be there for a while. Bring you a snack if you need to. Get you a Subway sandwich if you, as you wait in line. Ask for an extra hour off work. But it's worth it, friends. Your children and your grandchildren need you to cast your vote. Um, and if you don't know where to vote, listen, I think there's information in the lobby as well about polling locations. If it's not, and you can't find out by Googling it, call the office and we'll, we'll, tell, you, uh, we'll, we'll tell you on Tuesday. But let me close with this little, uh, it's a story, but it's a true one. Every vote matters. How many remember the 2000 presidential election between George Bush and Al Gore? Not many, many years ago, but let me tell you what happened. You know how many people voted? It all came down to the state of Florida. Out of the 50 states, Florida was the one that it came down to. You know how many people voted in Florida? Take a guess. Say it out loud. Six million. How did you know? You were here at the first service. Six million people voted. Do you know how many votes George Bush beat Al Gore by? 537. Six million. I, I was going to tell you what percentage that was, but I wasn't smart enough to know how to say that many zeros. Do you realize 537 votes, that's eight votes per county. Now, if we brought that home, eight votes in all of Bowie County, eight votes in all of Miller County, every county, eight votes. Or if you brought it down to the city and the municipality, a little over one vote in every city. Can you imagine one vote in Texarkana, Texas, changing the presidential election? One vote in Texarkana, Arkansas. Well, listen, that's what happened, and that's how the next, we got a, a president in the United States. Every vote mattered then, and every vote matters Tuesday. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're going to close in prayer, and I'd like to ask you to say one of two things. I'd like you to say either, uh, I forgive you, Pastor, or good job, Pastor. So you take... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's pray for our nation. Lord, today we want to bow our heads just a moment. Serious subject today. Polarizing, divisive. But now, Lord, we come together as Christians in Jesus Christ, even if we differ on everything that was said today. What matters the most is not what, what, whether I check an R or D. What matters most is my relationship to God through Jesus Christ and my relationship to my Christian brothers and sisters. But we do want to ask you, God, to forgive America for the wayward turn that we've taken. Forgive us, God, that you've given us so much. And it's almost like the nation is shaking her fist in your face. I simply want to pray this for our future. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. On a very personal level, Lord, I'd still like to live a quiet and peaceable life. I'm praying for my leaders so that'll happen. I'm praying most importantly, though, that religious freedom will always prevail so America can still be the greatest sending nation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the history of the world. 
God bless our nation. Lord, I just pray that you would heal the violence on our streets, heal the racial hatred, give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to forget anything about politics, and I just want to close with prayer. A personal call for prayer. I want our prayer partners, prayer team to come up to the front. And if you need prayer for anything, friend, I want to invite you to come up when this song starts. They'll sing that song and they'll talk about dismissal. But I want any of our elders, pastors, prayer team members, just come stand up front with me. And if you brought something in church today, a struggle, I want to encourage you to let somebody pray with you. I woke up yesterday morning real early and I had something was bothering me. And it was actually the Lord, I think, because it was something that I needed to fix. I made a mistake. Wasn't moral, but I just I needed to deal with it. And I was I was struggling with being anxious and a little out of whack for all morning long. I wish I'd have gone to my wife Linnell and told her early and let her pray for me. But I didn't. I want to encourage you, if you've got something that's just heavy on your heart today and you need God to help you, let somebody pray with you before you go home. But the most important prayer we'd like to pray is this one. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, my greatest need is just to get right with God. Though our subject, you know, matter today was very, you know, polarizing. Jesus was exalted through the whole day. The Bible was exalted. And if God's drawing your heart, how many know you can change today? I remember what happened to me August 15th, 1976. I realized the life I was living was not making me happy. I felt a guilt and a weight for my sins. And someone told me Jesus offered a better way for life. And I looked up at a cross similar to that and I realized that Jesus died for my sins. And someone told me that if I would ask him to forgive me, ask him to come in my life and save me, if I'd begin to follow him, he'd give me the life I always desired. And I did it. August 15, 1976. Maybe today's your day. If you're here today and you simply say, Pastor, I want to get right with God and I want somebody to pray for me, this is your moment. You, you may not be a Christian, or you might have been a Christian and gotten away from God, but you want to come back today and somebody pray for you in that commitment. Now's the time. So as people are coming for general prayers, I want to invite you to come and talk to Pastor Travis. If you want to give Christ your life, if you want him to pray for you so you'd be saved and you'd be confident of God's forgiveness, you come talk to him and he'd be happy to pray with you. I love you. Thank you for being here. Go ahead and sing our last song. I love you. open but we're gonna do something very special right now we're gonna do a baptism right now at the end of our service so if you stick around a little longer we want to celebrate with them as they publicly declare Jesus Christ is their Lord so uh, tell us your name and why you're getting baptized today my name is Valerie um, and I'm getting baptized because I want to be obedient Jesus Christ himself got baptized we're very proud of you and I want to encourage any family members any friends they can come up on stage if you want But as they're getting baptized, this is a reminder for all of us out there. 
There should have been a point in your life where you asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Pastor gave that invitation. If he's not Lord of your life, if you're not 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, then check with us right afterwards. We can say a simple prayer because God wants permission to come into your life. And the other thing is you've never been baptized. I got saved, but I hadn't been baptized since I was a little baby. And I realized that's something you do when you're at the age of accountability. I was 30-some years old, and I got baptized. Because at some point, you need to publicly let everybody know, hey, I'm a Christian, and that's what she's doing right now. So stretch your hands out. Father, we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Fill her with your spirit. Lord, bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a, a hand clap. Amen. We've got somebody else. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if you've never been baptized, done something public, I encourage you, check with us afterwards. Stop by the cross. We'll be over there. Or if you need things right with God, don't leave here without doing that. Okay, if you'll tell us your name and why you're getting baptized today. My name is Jackie Kelly, and I rededicate my life to the Lord. Amen. I know you've been around a while, and you serve on our serve team. So we're proud of you. Just felt like the Lord uh, just say this time is life. You just need to do a fresh dedication. So amen. We're very proud of you. Let's stretch our hands out. Father, we thank you for Jack. Lord, we thank you for his sensitivity to your spirit. Lord, we pray when he goes under the water that it not just be a, a symbol of a new time in his life. Lord, we declare healing over him too, that the heavens will open up. Lord, you'll fill him with your spirit and touch him and heal his body. And we bless him today. And we baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. And that's a great way to end a church service, isn't it? They're going to go back and just do a little worship song. But if you've got questions about baptism, about getting things right with God, just stop over the cross. We'll talk to you there. Amen.